0: Okay, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 5 again this morning. We're going to be continuing on with our lesson called Illuminate. We're talking about the Beatitudes. And remember that the the word Beatitude is just an old English word for blessings. So when Jesus says you're blessed, that's what the Beatitudes are. They are the blessings. Now... I have a goal in my life to read a a biography on every president, and I'm doing pretty good. I've I've read about 30, I think I've read 33, and I'm on my 34th out of 46, so that's that's not too bad, and it kind of goes in spurts, you know. I've read five so far this year, and like I read two all of last year, so it'll kind of come and go like this just as I get motivated to do it. But I just finished one on George H.W. Bush. Bush the first. And um, things always stand. whoever I'm reading about, it doesn't matter. I'm, I'm fascinated by people and the way that they grew up and things that, that spurred them on to be who they became. And something that really stood out to me about um, uh, George H.W. Bush was when he was a kid, now he, he was born into a wealthy family. He never had to really worry or want for anything but it bothered him even as a child if he had something that other people didn't have and if if he had uh, a sandwich he would cut it in half if you had nothing and he would say here have half and he did that so much that his nickname as a kid was have half have half he was known if if you know, he grew up in, in, in a time where, you know, there were a lot of poor families. If he saw a kid about his age who didn't have shoes, he would take his shoes off and give it to him because he knew he had some at home. So, what, what a great testimony of somebody to be called have half. Whatever I have, you can have at least half of it. I mean, there wasn't a story where he j- gave just one shoe away, but who knows? He may have just done that. half half, half half. And, and, and I tell that because it really made me think am I really willing to give what I've gotten? Am I I quick to give away something? George Bush did not have to worry about, when he gave those shoes away, he did not have to worry about more shoes because his dad was going to make sure he had more shoes. Sometimes we hold on to things out of fear of not having enough for ourselves when we should go, hey, if I give it away, <laughs> the Father's going to make sure that I have enough, Amen. right? So, um, like I said, we're in a series called Illuminate, and today the, the, the lesson is called Bless When I Give What I've Gotten. And I just want to review over the last few weeks I know that that, we've gone through a lot of stuff over these last few weeks, but I just want to review just a little bit. Um, The Greek word that is translated blessed there in in Matthew chapter 5 is a compound word. It's made up of three words. And if you break it down, it means an overflow of grace in you. So when Jesus says, blessed are you, what he's saying is there's an overflow of grace in you, When whatever is going on, whatever comes next after that. And remember that grace is receiving something that you don't deserve. So also we've been talking about how the Beatitudes, they're progressive. So let's throw that slide up there. I've shown this every week. We're going to show it a couple times this morning. But once again, on this side, this is Christ working in us. And then on the other side, it's Christ working through us. And God is working through our mind, our emotions, and our will, bringing us to a place where we thirst and hunger for him, all right? So, when we say things like, blessed are the poor in spirit, what we're really saying is blessed when we recognize our inability so we can gain his ability. You hear me? A lot of us spend a lot of time at the first step because we still think we can do it ourselves. We still try to figure it out ourselves. We're still trying to say something like, well, me and God, we got this covered. The problem is you're still in the equation. Are you hearing me? It's not me and God can get this done. It's when I recognize there is absolutely nothing in me that could even help this situation. So therefore, I turn it over completely to God and his ability comes to me. Blessed are those who are poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. What is Jesus saying there? He's saying when you recognize you cannot do it and you fall completely on his ability to do it, all of heaven is at your disposal. Not just one day you'll go to heaven. He's all of everything that makes up heaven is at your disposal. So that's the first step. So once we've realized that we can't do it ourselves, then we move up to that next step that says blessed are those who mourn. And that's not just blessed are those who are sad. I've heard it preached. Blessed are those who have lost loved ones. That's not what Jesus is talking about. He's talking about a godly sorrow that comes on us because of sin in our life. Not a sorrow because of the result of sin. We need to remember this. Everybody gets sorry when you get out here and you got a mess going on. Oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Oh, I wish this wasn't going on in my life. It's not being sorry for the fruit. It's being sorry for the root that's dwelling inside of us. That's what God wants to deal with is our heart. Because he doesn't want us having to live in this. Whatever this happens to be. You know, we think of gross sin. But once again, it is a place of missing God. That's what the word sin means. It means to miss the mark, miss the bullseye. It is a place of missing God when I am my own provider, when I am my own defender. So when did you become the provider? When did you become Jehovah Jireh? So he's saying you're blessed when you recognize there's something inside of you that's keeping you from connecting with God. Inside of that, inside of you, there's something that's keeping you from connecting to God. Sorrowful over these places where we've not given God complete control in our lives. And then it says, You will be comforted. You will be comforted. This is God dealing with our emotional being. And then blessed are the meek there's an overflow of grace in you when you are meek what does the word meek mean well when I was growing up meek was weak but once again that is not what Jesus is talking about he's the meek are those who have absolutely it is an act of our will to put ourselves under God's control it's truly repentance I've been out here doing this, but I have seen the error of my ways. I have recognized I cannot fix this. I cannot do this. And now I'm going to turn this way, and I'm going to give God control. That's what repentance means. And in that moment, you inherit the earth. Is he saying that you're going to get a plot of land somewhere? No. No. What he's talking about is your your inheritance, your spiritual inheritance. You begin to engage there. And when we've stepped through these things, we're blessed because it has created a hunger and a thirst inside of us. That hunger and thirst is a result of the first three steps. You don't get to skip a step. There is no fast pass with God. You know what I'm talking about when I say fast pass? You ever been to Six Flags and you've been waiting in line to get on a ride for like an hour and a half and somebody comes walking by and just looking down their nose at the common people? I've got a fast pass. I get to go to the front of the line. There's not a fast pass with God. You do it his way. Most of the problem is we're trying to do it our way and squeeze him into it. There is no fast pass with God. So the first three steps brings us to this place of hunger and thirst. And the Bible says that we'll be filled. So I want to read Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. Pastor Sam did a great job last week teaching on the, the hunger and thirst. But I want to read this out of the amplified version just real quickly because it's going to springboard us into what we're talking about today. It says, blessed and fortunate and happy and spiritually prosperous. That sounds good, doesn't it? Blessed and fortunate and happy and spiritually prosperous. In that state in which the born-again child of God enjoys his favor and salvation. Are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, uprightness, and right standing with God. For they shall be completely satisfied. They shall be completely satisfied. So here's the question. Are you being completely satisfied by God? If not, you may have skipped one of the steps. We all want to jump up here where where God is just filling us. But we don't get to skip past the part where we recognize, I can't do this. I don't get to skip past the the place where their godly sorrow comes on me. I don't get to skip over repentance. That's how you got saved. You recognized that you couldn't be your own savior. You were broken over your sin, and you repented, and what happened? He filled you, right? He filled you. But the thing is, If we're not being satisfied by God, it's going to be tough. Can we throw that that slide up again? If we're not being satisfied by God, if we're not getting what God wants to do in us, it's going to be really tough to have God work through us. Do I need to say that one again? (laughs) It's tough if we're not getting what we need from God to turn around and give it to others. Let's put it that way, okay? So if we're not being satisfied by God... If there's not a hunger and thirst that's in us, and we're not being satisfied by God, it's gonna be tough to turn around and go, hey, take some of this stuff that doesn't satisfy me. So let's look at Matthew 5 7. First part of the verse there says, Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are the merciful. First question is, what is mercy? What is mercy? Whereas grace is receiving what we don't deserve, mercy is not receiving what we do deserve. You got that distinction? Grace and mercy? Mercy is the major theme of the Old Testament. Starting in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve did not get what they deserved. God made a way for them. The children of Israel coming coming out of Egypt, when he gave them the law, the law was all about mercy. You do these things and you won't get what you deserve. So much so that when the high priest went in to, to take the, the, the sacrifice on the day of atonement, when he went into the Holy of Holies, went into the place where the, the actual presence of God was, that altar there was called the mercy seat. So the Old Testament was all about the mercy of God. The New Testament is about the grace of God. So what we need to understand is that the ultimate act of God's mercy is his grace. The ultimate act of God's mercy is his grace. Thank you. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace. That we may receive mercy and find grace and help in a time of need. The ultimate act of mercy is God's grace. The Old Testament, in the Old Testament, the word grace is only used six times and only twice in reference to God. Once it was in a prayer in the Psalms, and once it was in a prophecy about Jesus. So they lived in mercy. They understood the mercy of God. It was all about not getting what we deserve. But we have to understand that mercy and grace work together. So there's two words translated mercy in the New Testament. And they both deal with compassion. And I have to break this down because I'm going to say some things in just a minute that some of you are going to go... I don't know about that. We have natural mercy about us. One of the words translated mercy in the New Testament is, that's exactly what it is. It's pity. Having pity on somebody who's who's less fortunate or something has happened to somebody. We pity them. But there is another word that is used for compassion, which it truly is the inspiration of God. To step into a situation and deal with a situation. Guess which one Jesus is using in uh, in the Beatitudes. Now listen to this. In John twenty twenty three, it says, "If you forgive anyone's sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven." so is now this this is happening jesus has just risen from the dead he's appearing to his disciples I believe it's the very verse right before this one. It says that Jesus breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. This was their salvation experience. And the very first thing he says to them after being born again is, If you hang on to somebody's sins, they will be hung on to. If you let go of somebody's sins, they will be let go of. Now, was he telling his disciples that they had the power to forgive sins? No. No. It's very clear in the Bible, God has the power to forgive sins. Remember even the story of Jesus uh, healing the the lame man that had been uh, let down through the the roof? And Jesus looks at him and says, hey, your sins are forgiven. And all the religious people go, only God can forgive sins. And Jesus goes, that's right. (laughs) So what is Jesus saying here? He's saying if you hang on to something that's been done to you, you're hanging on to it. (laughs) If you release somebody, then they're released. This is mercy in action. If you hang on to it, it's not that they can't be forgiven by God, but between you and them, there is always going to be something. But if you let go of it, Their sin, even if it's against you, is going to be released. Um, God made me live this out. I love being a a walking testimony for the the things of God. There was a situation in my life. Now, I've had this happen many times in my life. But there was this one situation where we really got hurt by some people. And what do we want to do when someone comes against us? We just want to lash out. We want to rail out. We want to hit back, don't we? I've even had people quote to me, well, the Bible says an eye for an eye. It's Old Testament. And there in my my hurt, in my time of need, God said, you go to them. That's not fair, Lord. That's not fair. They hurt me. Why do I have to go to them? Not only did he say go to them, but you apologize to them. What? Are you kidding me? Do you, were you not watching this? Do we need to re... Does, you know, does heaven have a TiVo or something where you can just rewind and watch it over again? Did you not see what just happened to me? And the Lord said, you go to them. You apologize to them. You show them Mercy. I didn't like that. (laughs) You can tell I'm still worked up about it. (laughs) Mercy and grace are the foundations of the New Testament, New Covenant. Mercy and grace are the foundations of the New Covenant. The basic meaning of the Hebrew word mercy is outgoing love. In other words, you could say it's covenant love in action. Covenant love in action. Now, I know you've heard the word covenant before since you happen to be sitting in a church called New Covenant. So you're at least somewhat familiar with the word covenant. But a covenant is, it's more than just a, a promise, it's something that is so strong. It says, What I have is now yours, and what you have is now mine. And if one of us breaks this, they should die. That's pretty strong, right? So, the basic meaning of mercy is covenant love in action. Mercy is a characteristic of God in his relationship with those in covenant with him. Now, this is where I need you to look at me and say that I am listening. Yeah, at least three or four of you. I'm listening. Because if you're not listening, you're going to hear something I did not say. Okay, I promise you. You're going to hear something I did not say, but I've got to say something. And some of you are going, I was waiting on you to say something. What time is it? He's done yet? Mercy is a characteristic of God's relationship with those in covenant with him. Say with him. What does that mean? We are to give mercy to others in the covenant, others in the family of God. Mercy is not how God deals with people outside of the covenant. This is the part I want you to listen to. Mercy is not how God deals with people outside of the covenant because they cannot partake of mercy because they've never encountered grace. You have to engage with grace. That's how you get saved. It is by grace that you are saved. That is Scripture. Mercy is for those who are inside the covenant. This mercy that we're talking about, not the pity. You can pity people outside of the covenant, but mercy is for those who are inside the covenant. Mercy is about how we respond to one another in the family. And because people don't understand that, we see a lot of mixed up mercy gifts. You operate in mercy. I see a lot of people, they operate in mercy, but they're trying to give mercy where they should be preaching grace. Because you cannot go up to somebody who is outside of the covenant, somebody who is outside of a relationship with Jesus and start telling them, oh, it's okay. God's not gonna judge you for that. Romans 6.23 says, for the wages of sin is death. That's God judging them for that. I know I don't like it when you talk like this. That's God judging those outside of a a covenant relationship. And he gives the answer to it right there. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you don't want to deal with the wages of sin being death, you have to come to Christ Jesus our Lord. That is grace. That is the initial place where we experience the grace of God. And the moment that we experience the grace of God, God takes his his gavel in heaven, let's just think about that, and he says, not guilty, that's mercy. That's mercy. But to tell somebody that they will not be judged for the things that they have been doing outside of a covenant relationship is wrong. Okay? It's wrong. It's untruth. And I see these mixed-up mercy gifts all the time. Well, you can't tell them that it's wrong. Well, the Bible says it's wrong. If the Bible says it's wrong, it's wrong, right? Whether I like it, you like it, anybody likes it. It's wrong. wrong. It's unscriptural. So to tell somebody who is outside of the covenant, oh, it's okay. Does God love them? Of course God loves them. God loves them with a, with, with, with a compassionate love that uh, he loves everybody with, but he loves you in the kingdom differently. You understand that? He loves you differently because you are part of the covenant. You can partake of things that those outside of the covenant cannot partake of. Is this too heavy? Okay. So, how should we show mercy? Remember, we're talking about mercy being for those inside of the covenant. First thing we do is we think of other Christians as God thinks of them. In 1 Corinthians 3, we see that Christians are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the place where the very presence of God dwells. So should I think of you as the temple of God or somebody I just want to put my foot in your face because you made me mad? I need to think of you the way God thinks of you. I need to act towards you the way God acts towards you. In Romans 8 it says that God uh, causes all things to work to good for those who love him, right? Right? So if I'm going to act towards you the way that God would act towards you, why would I not turn and try to make sure that things are going good for you? That's mercy. Love them as God loves them. In Jeremiah 31, it says he has an everlasting love. Well, we always come up to the, well, what about? What about this? What about that? You don't know what they did. You don't know what they said. Blah, 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 blah. Well, what about what you did, what you said, how you acted? It's amazing how I want forgiveness, I want mercy, but I'm not real good about giving it to others because they said it to me. I didn't say it to them. They said it to me. Now, listen, I am not saying that you don't ever tell somebody what they're doing is wrong, but it's the way we do things. Am I doing it with a redemptive heart? Am I going to go, you know, fuss at somebody because of what he has done? (laughs) Just because I need to say this. You just need to know. You just need to know that you're wrong. Or with love and the heart of redemption, am I saying, hey, You know what you're doing is not right. There's a difference there, right? Which one are we better at? (laughs) The mercy of God through you will, will restore those who have stumbled. So the benefits of being merciful... Let's read all of Matthew 5 now. It says, blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. You know, this used to be my least favorite beatitude. I didn't like it. I mean, mean, we just came out of hungering and thirsting and being filled. And then you get, be merciful, you'll get mercy. I'm like, what is that? Be merciful and you'll get mercy. That's kind of dumb. But it's amazing. It is amazing. I, I have had to live these things that I've been preaching to you. Let me tell you, somebody that's been in ministry about 30 years, it is a whole lot easier to preach it than to live it. It is. It's easy to stand up here and tell you what you should do, how you should act, And call you out when you're not doing it. Well, then when we have to live out what God has us preach, and this whole sermon series has become, you know, God doing surgery on me. It's like, God, this was supposed to be about them, not me. I wanted to do this last year, and we just never quite got to it. And now I know why. It's like every week, every step that we have made, God goes, ehh, ehh, eh, ehh, Just this week, I got to be merciful. <laughs> Somebody, you know, did me and my wife wrong. It was done out of selfishness. It was done out of a wrong spirit, and at first I wanted to be mad, and I wanted to pull out my phone and text them. <laughs> yeah. Well, people don't answer their phone nowadays, so I can leave them a long, you know, <laughs> voicemail. And just say, you know, I can't believe that you did this. That's so dishonorable. Blah, 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 blah. That was my first initial reaction. And you know what? The moment that I reached for my phone, God goes, Blessed are the merciful. I go, It's not Sunday, Lord. I don't even have to listen to that. <laughs> so, you know what he did? And he just, he just drew that out of me. I mean, that that anger, that disappointment, that everything just kind of, and I just said, Lord, this person, th- this is very small in, in in the stupid decisions that they were making. They were making lots of stupid decisions. This was just, this was just one that nobody will even really remember except me and my wife, of all the stupid decisions this person is making. But I found myself just, just praying for them. Lord I'm not going to hold this against them I'm not I refuse Why? Because I've been satisfied I've been satisfied I've gotten to go there with the Lord And he's satisfying my heart with, With his good things He's satisfying me With his presence He's satisfying me with even the hunger and the thirst for the righteousness. That's something that only God can put inside of us anyway. I'm being satisfied, so why would I not show mercy? Have I been shown mercy? Absolutely, I've been shown mercy. That's a merciful man right there. (laughs) He had to put up with these two as his... (laughs) associate pastors for a long time (laughs) you know when jesus called james and john the sons of thunder sons of blunder okay (laughs) mercy i had been shown mercy why would i not give mercy once again, I'm not saying what was done was right, and I'm not saying if I had the attitude or the attitude, the, the, the uh, ability or the time to talk to that person that I wouldn't say something, but it's not going to come out of this heart of, of anger. It's going to come out of a redemptive love for them. So a continual mercy flowing out of you flows back to you. That's why he said, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. It should be flowing out of us and then flowing back to us. Flowing out of us and flowing back to us. But the enemy wants to short circuit mercy and substitute judgment. Luke 6:37 says, Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not judge others and you will not be judged. Do not condemn others or it will come back against you. Forgive others and you will be forgiven. Verse 38, give and you will receive. When's the last time you heard that preached without somebody talking about money? Right? He's saying whatever you give is what you're going to get back. If you give judgment, you're going to get judgment back. If you give anger, you're going to get anger back. If you give hurt, you're going to get hurt back. But if you give mercy, you're going to give mercy back. If you give love, you'll get love back. If you do give money, and you should, you'll get it back. That is a spiritual law. Your gift will return in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over and poured into your lap. What do you want being poured into your lap? Judgment? Hurt? Unforgiveness? Or mercy? The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. The amount you give will determine the amount that you give back. Then in Matthew six fourteen, or Matthew 6, yeah, verse 14, it says, If you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your heavenly Father will not forgive you your sins. Not because he's angry, but because you've not given so you can receive. You're not following the spiritual principle. Those of you online can't see. There's about a thousand people in here being quiet. <laughs> Building my ministry any way I can. <laughs> Last verse here, and we'll finish with this. It's Matthew six twelve. This is Jesus as he's teaching his disciples to pray. Forgive us our sins as we have forgiven those who sin against us. As. That word as actually means at the same time. At the same time. The moment that you're releasing it, God's releasing you. Has God been merciful to you? Are we giving what we've gotten? Look, I know it's 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 easy to judge. Sometimes we don't even realize that we're doing it. It's easy to look at somebody and say well, they're not doing right. That's easy to do. What's not easy to do is say, "Lord, I'll help carry them." That's mercy. Lord, I'll speak, I'll speak truth into their life, but I'll do it in love because I want them redeemed. That's mercy. You know, sometimes as, as good Christians, we're, we're more merciful on those outside of the covenant than we are those inside the covenant. Well, they should know better. Yeah, they should. But we don't always live what we know, do we? Once again, it's easy to preach it. It's easy to preach faith till you've got to live by it. Are you giving what you got? Would you bow your heads with me? I just want you to ask the Holy Spirit, or I'm going to ask him for you. Holy Spirit, would you reveal any place in our life where we are not showing mercy? Is there somebody that we have withheld mercy from? Yeah, they hurt us. They're never going to apologize for it. They're never going to come and ask you to forgive them. But Lord, don't allow that to keep us from being satisfied by you. Is there a believer, a church person who should have known better that's hurt you, shunned you? If you want to be blessed by mercy, you have to give mercy. Lord showing you anything? Like I said, this used to be the one I didn't like, but it's the one that I have found is actually the toughest. As the Lord puts his finger on that person or that situation, that group of people, whatever it might be, and we're just doing this with our our heads bowed, and the reason we're doing that is because don't be looking around. This is between you and the Lord. I'm not even looking. I've got my eyes closed. So this is really between you and the Lord. It's not to make me feel better. But I'm going to ask you just if, if the Lord has put somebody on your heart, if you're thinking of somebody that you've not forgiven, that you've not shown mercy to, just symbolically, just let it go. You can just take your hands as if you're throwing something up. Lord, I let it go. I let it go. I'm not gonna hold on to this because it keeps me from being satisfied by you. Lord, my highest desire is to be satisfied by you, for you to be my provider for you to be my everything. But Lord, I let it go. It may even hurt to let it go. I've been there. And Lord, as they do that, as they, in faith even, release mercy, I pray that mercy would immediately come back to them. Receive what they're giving, Lord, right now in Jesus' name. Pour mercy onto them. Pour mercy onto them, Lord. We want to be who you've called us to be, not bound up by the enemy. Lord, forgive us for judging, or as I call it, filling in the blanks. Lord, forgive us for filling in the blanks when we didn't know the whole story, but we, we made up an ending. Yes, Lord. Thank you. In Jesus' name, amen. And will you stand? If you meant that, even if you didn't think of somebody, but you're saying, Lord, I'm willing to be merciful. He's going to give you the opportunity. Lisa and I uh, were somewhere here recently, and I saw somebody that did not bring me love, joy, and peace. you know what, I saw them and I saw that they were immediately uncomfortable because they saw me and I went right up to them. I shook their hand. I hugged them and asked them how they were doing. You know, there was not a thing in my heart towards them. It kind of shocked them. It was like... But I gave it and I immediately received it. I gave mercy to that person. And I immediately received mercy the way it's supposed to work because that that person is a believer they're a believer they're not outside the covenant so I'm going to pray that God gives each and every one of you an opportunity this week (laughs) dang it I'm not going to that church again I'm gonna ask the prayer team to to come down just as we're finishing up here. You may be here this morning and you're like, I don't understand this covenant stuff in the covenant, out of the covenant. What are you talking about? You may have never had the opportunity or even the understanding of what it means to to be in a relationship with Jesus. Jesus. These people do. And I want to give you the opportunity to to come get prayer, to come talk to somebody. You got questions? Guess what? They can answer questions too. But for the rest of you, if there's something going on in your life, maybe you're struggling with this mercy message. I struggled with it. I promise you, I struggled with it. I had to keep getting up when I was studying I had to keep getting up going, okay, God, this doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. This doesn't make sense. What are you really saying? What are you really saying? I struggled with it because I've been hurt. I've dealt with a lot of that stuff in my life, but as the Lord told me a couple of weeks ago, he said, sweep to the corners. He got the big junk out. You know, I I, I don't live every day angry at people that have hurt me. But he said, sweep to the corners. Don't give any room for any cobwebs or any dirt and stuff. Get in there. So if there's anything going on in your life that you just need prayer for, you're saying, I cannot be merciful. (laughs) Please pray for me. You know, that's okay to say. It's okay to be honest. God knows anyway, Right? There, there was a time when, when uh, you know, Jesus told a father, hey, you know, everything's possible to them that believe. And he goes, I believe, but I need you to help my unbelief. Sometimes we just need to be honest. Jesus didn't rebuke him, right? So if you're struggling with this message, if you're struggling with some things going on in your life, you're wondering why do I feel like I spend my whole life on the stairs over here and I never get to the place where I'm being satisfied in God. I'm just back and forth on these steps over here. Let somebody pray for you. All right? Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this morning. Lord, we don't take it lightly that, that we live in a country where we can freely gather to worship you. And Lord, we do. We worship you. This is all about you it's all about you lord and i thank you that as we make it about you you so lovingly turn and make it about us oh you want us to be so healed up spirit soul and body so that we can truly be the people of god you've called us to be so lord those that may be struggling with this mercy message lord i pray that the holy spirit would just continue to minister to them And as people come down to the the altar here to receive prayer, I thank you that the anointing of God is here to break yokes, to break chains, to break shackles, to heal bodies, to bring salvation and deliverance. And Lord, it's all for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.